0: on the verge on the verge is presented by cure cannabis used for research and education the medical industry is steadfastly looking to help millions of patients that suffer from injuries related to repetitive motion sports trauma and many other orthopedic injuries as well as skin disorders mental disorders cancer and osteoporosis to name only a few of the other underlying conditions that billions suffer from each day. On average in this country, we have 10,000 people turning 65 every day. With the cost of pharmaceutical medicines increasing, patients deserve natural alternatives that are not only more cost effective, but also safer for them and society. CURE is focused on providing natural alternatives to aid with current or previous medical conditions. CURE does this by providing a therapeutic properties of natural cannabinoid, Formulations for multiple uses, whether internally or externally. Ask your physical therapist or your primary care physician if cannabinoids are right for you, or check out their website at www.curemich.com. Cure, cannabis used for research and education. On the Verge is also brought to you by Green Scene. Green Scene is a family owned company recognized as the Sizzle Award winner for outdoor living in Williamson County. We design and construct areas to blend with the natural landscape of your yard. That can include outdoor spaces, gazebos, fire pits, outdoor kitchens, and yes, putting greens. We understand the importance of your home. That's why we never settle for anything but the best. GreenScene also provides multiple teams with professional landscape maintenance, irrigation, and outdoor lighting. Welcome to On The Verge. Today's special guest joins me for the third time. He's the president and owner of Cure Michigan, a CBD company that built their success on medical facts proven by doctors and clinicians, and he is my sponsor to the podcast. Joining me again, John Meredith. John, how are you today, buddy?
1: Doing great, Virgil. Again, thanks for having me back.
0: My pleasure. Well, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to come down from Michigan to uh to share what's going on in the in the world of CBD and cannabis and what have you and we we did our first one a little over 2 years ago and it was largely it, the THC portion of this was largely legal in most states that slowly changed we talked about that last year but now it looks like the fed the feds are going to are definitely taking a much more serious look at legalizing it across the entire country and as you're staring at the business model that you're in with medical and recreational, and for the largest part, you started it because you wanted to help people in, in the medical world. How fast is this business evolving from where you started it, which was to make sure you could help people in a, a safer, better way than what's going on in the hospitals today, to bang, it's possibly going to be legal in, by the federal government.
1: Probably within the next three years, be my guess. Yeah, those are, I don't know how I even answer all those. I think you hit them right on the head, but I'll dive into them, Virgil. First of all, to dive into when the feds will have it across our country, just like our friends to the north, Canada has Mm -hmm. done. And we have a lot of countries now that have now dived into this and made it legal, just like alcohol across the whole providences or Mm -hmm. be us, the states. And when that happens, it actually helps out quite a bit. And let, let's dive into it, first of all, why this helps out. I, I know some of the listeners would be like, uh, what? 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 Why would it help out? Well, first of all, it helps out with the caregiving. And caregivers are there, first of all, to have the right to do anything in this country, like grow your own tomatoes in your mm-hmm. backyard, grow your own beans, raise your own chickens, raise your own cattle. We talked about... Uh-huh. in prior years uh i did again we drove down and i, I listened to the last couple of years of or the last two podcasts and hit on some of that that we talked to to bring this all together as the future is coming in uh-huh. and to say again boy it's, we haven't time traveled but it seems like we have in the last two of them so caregiving has to be there in place with these two plants being with cbd and thc <clears throat> excuse me and the federal government realizes this. What can't be there is the people in the black market, just like the black market for alcohol, mm-hmm. that don't want to pay the correct taxes and put in their share. Because just like in the the liquor industry, the tobacco industry, this industry also has high profits. And we should put in the kitty. I, I know mm-hmm. some people don't want to hear that. So to legalize it across our provinces, our states, would allow then for the federal government to get away from the people that aren't putting into this industry, allow the caregivers to be there if they want to do it for themselves, but we see that people don't usually want to have their own farms, their own chickens, their own things in their own backyards so this allows them to be regulated by the federal government, which needs to be done because we need to make sure that we're not harming people with any kind of product that we're putting out. And if it's on a black market, if anything, it's not being regulated and and people could get sick. So first of all, the feds to do it three years, Mm, probably five because it is a slow process. And how do we write this with the current states that have in place licenses and, and their current programs. So I believe it will be about five years. And how does that help us out? Well, it helps out in many different ways for them to have it. And how is the industry growing so fast? We've talked about that. Of In the past, I have. How do we keep up with it? Well, we're right there. These questions by the Fed, federal government are being asked the same thing. How do we keep up with this monster? How do we keep up with the monster of profitability? How do we keep up with it to make sure regulations are there? And how do we make sure that we're not hurting small communities that have issues with any type of drug. Mm -hmm. And what do I mean about that? Well, on Monday in the state of Michigan, they published the state of Michigan, which is our MRA. Uh, That is our governmental agency that takes care of governing over the licenses for both medical and rec. They published a 15-page article, bulletin, stating that any packaging that has fruit on it, any packaging that has pictures of fruit, Anything that has logos that could pertain to advertising the kits and any product that is not child proof has to be pulled immediately. So, this is how we start keeping up with it. I mean, there was a lot of product out there on the market in our state that is not in compliance with that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the government has to say, well, how do we make sure we don't hurt? And there's a lot of moving parts to that. But these bulletins are coming out, and this is how the government is staying up with it. And they're trying to regulate a, a an industry that's brand new and that's moving at lightning speed that yeah. no one can keep up with. So to have these regulatory systems in place and to have these agencies in place is a need, first of all. This answers all the questions of, yeah, no, this is like anything else. How do you make sure your 7-year-old child doesn't get into your alcohol cabinet and you come home and they need to be rushed to the hospital because the child shouldn't drink alcohol? Parents would say, well, we teach them, in, you know, locked in a, a cabinet, it has a child proof. Okay, this is great. How do they not get into your medicine cabinet and have, well, a childproof? Bubble? Same thing. Regulations come in, and this is what we talked about in prior podcasts of having good pharmaceutical practices of how to manufacture things. These are all codes of what we do, labels and everything. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to see that the states, first of all, are pretty much writing this for the federal government. And the feds will be able to take that. And I think that's always what happens at a, a national level. We can look at a collegiate level. We, mm-hmm. we have private sector business that invents something, and then a, a university pays for those rights to teach it, and here we are. Mm-hmm. So we see a lot of the states making these foundations, good and bad. We're, and it comes down to the local municipality level of how do they do good, how do they do bad. The good ones we learn from, the bad ones we learn from, and we're putting them all together, and this will be what will be at the national level. Now, I've mumbled and jumbled a bunch on. Well, we have evidence of corporate America coming in and knowing that this will be federally passed in the near future, Mm -hmm. and we see large corporations like Coca-Cola, Budweiser, Philip Morris, um, Johnson & Johnson, we talked about this, that are investing money into the industry, not first-handed, but maybe they go to a state and buy 4,600 acres of land. Maybe Bill Gates is the largest farmer now, as far as he owns the most agricultural land sure. in this country. Well, why would he do that? Because corn isn't now our big, won't be a big commodity, because we've seen alcohol sales go down, too, in these and that's good and bad. I'm not saying it's one way or the other, mm-hmm. but we're seeing corn alcohol go down and that's hence why most of our corn farmers in this country are growing corn is for our alcohol consumption so I would have never guessed that yeah me neither I but it huh. makes total sense think yeah. about it I mean so we don't use that much in, in cars yet and we don't eat that much corn Yeah. for how much is growing um, and we don't need that much for livestock so corn is a great for making mash for making liquor mm-hmm. uh, so <clears throat> we see a lot of these farmers understanding that too, but why would these large corporations be buying this much land? That makes no sense to me. Um, unless if they're going to put on their large CBD farms or THC farms that are regulated by the government, they Mm -hmm. already have these, um, contracts if you want to say locked down from their friends of the program. Sure. And let's face it, that's how business is done in this country still. It's I know they hide it behind doors, but people have starts on things before and they get people elected and people know things before things happen. Yeah. And uh it's evidence of that. There's a large corporation and uh from That bought 4,600 acres in Michigan, northern Michigan, and it's a tobacco company. Mm -hmm. Why would they do that? Unless if you're going to put something on there that's going to generate you a commodity. I don't think they're going to build farmhouses on it. So, uh, yeah. How does it go? Yeah, They're putting it in place right now to line up for this mass production that we talked about. And this is why we talk about the buildings growing inside these plants. Now, it's going to be probably outdoors. It's you know large processing facilities mm-hmm. that I saw in these pharmaceutical companies that are acres, not square foot. They're acres large, mm-hmm. like a Heinz processing or a, a processing for... Uh, petroleum here. I, I saw a couple uh, coming into the city today. Mm-hmm. We are staying north of the city this time. Uh, I saw a couple of petroleum refineries here. Those are processing hmm. uh, centers, and they're, they're not square footage. They're acreage. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see the same thing here, and we're going to see just like in the Midwest, in our Nebraska, Iowa, Kansas, Texas, things like that, of farming acres. And we're not talking millions of acres of, of of horticulture that's going to be done. Well, that will be this and we'll grow outside and they'll harvest and process it and we'll turn it into uh, a wreck situation, which would be an alcohol, like a Jack Daniels, a, a beer. In, in this industry, it would be like a chocolate, a gummy, uh, something that would be an edible mm-hmm. uh, or a pre-roll. And then on the medical side, it would be something like a tincture, topical, balms, something that we would use just like in medicine. Yeah. And that answers the last part of it. I've been saying for a long time, I, I, the reason I welcome it at the federal level is that way we can have two different markets finally. We can have a medical and we can have a rec. We can let the medical people be in the medical side, which are our pharmacists, which like some states, like Pennsylvania, kudos to them. To go into a dispensary for medical, you have to have a pharmacist, a PharmD there at all times to dispense it. Hmm. Well, that's great that he can or she can answer a lot of medical questions and that's what it should be. That way if someone gets sick, they know not to, you know, they're not out per se. They have someone come into town and they get sick or something while they're there because they took an edible for the first time and it wrecks their night. Mm -hmm. Well, the pharmacist can help them out and they can guide them through that because we're going to have them take high doses of THC at that level, especially if it's for cancer. And on the med side, I mean, on the rec side, then you can have those weekend warrior products Mm -hmm. and they can go in and get it from the bud tenders, as I call in that side of it, which I think is funny and ironic. I think it could be better, but that's not for me to say. And we have two different sides. We have liquor stores and we have hospitals. And that's what I've always been fighting for in this industry. With that being said, it's really cool because the medical side can support the rec side from the products that it's making in this very easily. Mm So you can always have the highest product levels of what they're looking for. The efficacy or the potency on the rec side um, can always be at the highest level because they can take it from the medical side. And I think this will make it much, much, I don't think, I know it will make it much better because we will have the right people now yeah. doing the right things. And over the the last few months since we talked, we've talked about that more than ever in my industry up there mm-hmm. and the people I've talked to about being able to stay in your lane and do the right thing for you yeah. in this industry and not having to multiple task things. And that that federal level of keeping up with it, yeah, it will be tough, but all those things yeah. that you said hit right on the head, absolutely a long explanation of why that is. So
0: when the, when we're looking at I think the everybody looks to California, Colorado, Michigan as the and Oregon as the big four that started to go medical and wreck. How has it benefited their their tax incomes or what how has it benefited the state? Has it made things worse or made things better for the state and the ones that the the big four that came out first?
1: Well, yeah, uh we ha- let's take Michigan off of there and put Nevada and Washington okay. So we had a lot of, um, and we can go out east too. I don't want to leave any of the east coast uh, states out. Uh, So when the listener listens, and like, ah, what about these states? All the states that that have come on board, I think, are the biggest states. And each state that will come on board is the biggest state. And I'm going to break it down then from a state level to a municipality level. where we saw Michigan, and that relates to the state level, too, I believe. Mm -hmm. And why is that? Well, when you start looking at states that will adapt these new laws and regulations of how they're going to control their compliances and how they're going to direct these departments— They also have these challenges at the local municipality more than anything because they're the ones actually in the backyard and in the home that are governing over these manufacturing and retail properties that are dealing with once an illegal substance, THC. Mm -hmm. And now CBD, how do you govern that too because it was the wild, wild west? So it starts by writing the right policy, the right law, right? How do you adapt the right policies for this bill to be written at the local municipality, which then will be a directive of of what the state is. And that starts with your city attorneys and your AGs Mm -hmm. of the state. And they can get burnt just like anyone else. They can get wrong sources to give them information. So if they write these bills, Virgil, and for your listeners out there, that have loopholes or gray areas in, and I'm not trying to push anyone down, but it seems that attorneys love gray area. (laughs) When you're writing this, you can't have that. Example, and I'll keep going on. Mm -hmm. If you are going to allow a certain amount of licenses to be handed out, and you take in as many applications as you want, so if you have 20 licenses that will be handed out and you take in 100 applications, you shouldn't write in your bill that it's a non-refundable application fee. Yeah. Because the 80 people that don't get that license are going to squeal and whine and say it's because of favoritism, no matter what.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: How do you take care of that? Well you give them back their application fee. And you worry about making a profitability at the state and local area on tax a property value. So hmm. when you're talking with these local and state folks, you look at them and say, well, how do you do that really easily? Well, you have a fire chief, you have a state fire marshal. Do you need any permission to go into any building in the state? If you're the state fire marshal, well, no. Well, we should take the assessor with you, too. Hmm. Now you're in a building that you can reassess, and when tax time comes, don't worry about your application fees. Yeah. So when we look at them doing this, they, they have to write the correct policies and bills that safeguard their communities, And don't open them up for litigation and lawsuits. And that's being done some places, Mm -hmm. and it's not being done some places. Interesting. Some AGs are doing a wonderful job with that. And it it comes down to the AG first at a state. I mean, there's someone underneath them doing that, but they have to find the right person. That person has to understand what's going on. And they can't get sold by private interest groups that are writing it for themselves that will come back to hurt the state and then the local municipalities within that state. And then you look at the local city attorney. Well, those two positions right there to get the ball started are the biggest and most important. And then it comes down to the fire marshals at the state level and at the local municipality level. I believe that in this industry, those are the four most important people to get the ball rolling. Mm -hmm. Yes, the governors. Yes, the politicians under that are very important. The local politicians that are superintendents or mayors or whoever you have running that, city councilmen and women, yeah, they're very, very important. But if the cities are going in and states are going to have this to be successful, it starts with having a very, very clad, not a gray, and I know in law everything's gray, um, but to have as much as you can buttoned up so that there can't be any litigation loopholes Mm -hmm. as you move forward. And if you do that and button it up, then it starts at the, the local municipalities, the state level, to have your your politicians and your, your community leaders being your police officers, your fire marshals, your city attorneys, your politicians, and your state politicians coming into the local Bible studies, your local schools, your local community events, and answering questions. From a scientifical standpoint, not from, you know, someone that has a tie-dye shirt on that has braids. And no offense to that person, yeah. but those local communities and state members aren't going to take them serious as a state trooper that's dressed up that says, "Listen, we can test for that. Listen, this is what happens. We're not. We don't have a concern because of this. Mm-hmm. And let me educate you because of this. You know, in our town, we have just as much." Um, of the ability of a child to go underneath the liquor cabinet and get something to drink than we do to have this. And we're here to go into schools. We're going to educate. So please, as we do this, we want to open this up as education. And Mm -hmm. you see where we're going with this, that this is a community and a state thing that has to start. And if it's done correctly, it can be answered and people won't have fears. If it's done incorrectly, there's going to be fears that arise and there's going to be litigation that arise. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, so like you, your background and how
0: you're setting up your company is largely influenced by your time at Johnson & Johnson and the Big Pharma. What is it that you've learned in, in, a, in the good way that you learned while working for the, the big machine that you're applying to your success right now 2021 for Cure Michigan?
1: Mm. 90% of it? Yeah. Uh, it would take too long to explain. The number one thing is understanding what we just talked about. And we hit on. I hit on it, and we hit on it, uh, I believe in our first podcast of, if you're going to launch a drug, who has to do it? The doctors. Well, if you're going to change policy and law, who's going to do that? Local politicians and state politicians. That's what they taught me most at Johnson & Johnson is, that what we do when I was at Johnson & Johnson or other companies like Johnson & Johnson is things that have never been done before. If we're going to push medicine, we have to do things that have never been done. Otherwise, I mean, at one time there was the first heart transplant. No one had done it. So how do you get this special privilege to pretty much kill someone? Mm-hmm. Because the likelihood of them dying from that is way higher than going to the moon, so for the first time because yeah. we don't have the machines, we don't have the pulmanade we just don't have everything we have. we don't have sure. pumps, we don't have med- we just don't know what's going to happen. We don't have papers that were written or anything. So how do you get this? Well, we talked about that too, of how Dr. Lafort we have the same things we bored him, and he was actually at that time. Sort of stealing heads from morgues and figuring out how they would break by doing different things with them, as hitting them with objects and throwing them. And I know it sounds morbid, but he was trying to figure out that everyone and he did has the same fault lines in their face and you would have the same fractures. Lafort ones, two and threes. Huh. And it depends on the forces. The face will just break because the sutures in the face and they protect the brain. I won't go into more of that. There's a lot more. Yeah. Uh, any of the doctors listening, I mean you could talk about this for two or three hours. Wow. About Doctor LaFort and how these all are in the facial fractures. So without politicians and without having different laws that are special for universities now and for medical institutions. How can we push modern science? So yes, we, we have to have that. We have to have them help change different things that aren't out there. Mm -hmm. And and that's one of the biggest things that Johnson and Johnson and other companies like that taught me that no one's doing in this industry. I shouldn't say no one, not many are because they think that that's the enemy. They think that the government's the enemy. They're not. They're they're your friends, and they're trying to race and change things just as much as we are. And in the state of Michigan, I, I'm not going to give the exact number because I don't know off the top of my head. I, my corporate compliance manager would know back at, uh, if he was here with us, Jeremy. But I believe since April or May of this year, the state of Michigan has introduced... I believe, over 10 new articles to the laws that they have done. And it's come from working with folks in the industry to do that. So this is something, too, that the states, that if they're going to be compliant, we just talked about a mm-hmm. bulletin that came out. That was one of them that came out. Yeah. And this is a good thing. This was working with communities and school leaders and, and teachers and, and, and different folks that deal with children to say, hey, what's marketable to children? And let's get rid of that. So we're not doing that. Mm. And one of the bulletins came out. My daughter, I had a picture of them and it was, uh, it was, it looked so delicious and yummy on it. She came by and she said, Oh my God, I would eat that to the, the point. I would love to eat that, that package. Well, that proves the point that we're moving correctly uh, to do that, that you have to cooperate with your local municipalities, yeah. your local government and your state government. If you don't, you can't move forward. And it's, they're not bad people. They're, they're people that got elected there to help everyone in the community, and they know everyone's concerns. That's why you go to them as a company, especially with something this delicate. Yeah, for sure. I think it's interesting.
0: You know, we're, we're in a really interesting time in the world you know, with the opioid crisis being what it is, which is epically gigantic. And, and then I guess that lawsuit just came out. as was a $20 billion lawsuit that the, the people win over the opioid crisis. I don't know if that's per state. That's a gigantic number total. And it just seems like, well, I've, I've been saying on my podcast for a long time, that people can't think for themselves anymore. They're almost waiting to be told what to do or what to say. But I mean, literally... We've been duped into this opioid crisis in an evil way, and in some ways, with what's going on in the opioid crisis is unbelievably dangerous and sad. But what's fascinating is that that in in cannabis situation, it has gotten such a bad name and a bad vibe historically, and it's not really based off of any accurate information, especially when you compare it to the opioids. And we've been been pumped, the opioids, like this is the savior to your pain for at least 20 years now, at least 20. And so you're right, education is critical because if, if they were educated, if Big Pharma educated enough people to believe that what they were taking was good for them in the long run, and that couldn't be farther from the truth, if you can get the truth out, and build the truth around it and have great policy set up to protect, you know, the the people who are the rec users that could abuse it. Uh, but also have it set up for the the doctors to be able to prescribe better, healthier things for the community that suffer. It just seems like a win-win, but you're right. Ed, education seems to be on the forefront of this because there's a lot of lies to miss, misspell for for your company, and then you also you're also competing in a, a pain game and a change of state game that people are using opioids to do it. It's thousands of times more dangerous, but yet believed to be safer. Humbling.
1: Yeah, great point. I mean, we have over a hundred million people that are addicted to opiates in this country. And over the last year and a half, we haven't really talked about this because of some other things that have been more of the issue. And I don't know if it's more of the issue. I I, I think the uh, I don't think. I know that the opiate pandemic crisis that we're in was created by the medical industry. Created by people themselves. And we have advanced modern medicine as far as in the operating room, over the last 40 years, just since 1980. Yeah Forget since 1940, yeah. when we first had the ability and that we talked about World War I and World War II in past, of having modern anesthetic. And that's why we've advanced surgical procedures so much, so quickly. Because of our pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Ironically, those pharmaceuticals are synthetics. And we talked about synthetic compared to Alla and Autographs. And that's what synthetic medications are. They're created from nothing. And they don't match our DNA and our our genetic makeup. Yeah. Because they're created from something else. And when we look at opiates... Most of our opiates now are synthetic opiates, but some of them are derivative from poppies, and that's what ones work the best. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's why people stop going from opiate prescriptions when they can't go to the pharmacy anymore and go to street heroin because heroin has all of those molecular representations in it. So they're definitely going to be able to fix themselves when they're sick. Yeah. And it's a lot cheaper now. So when that happens, our bodies are addicted so much to it that it can't say no. Or it will make you do something extremely bad to yourself. And this is where we say about Russian Roulette, someone that goes in for surgery, thank goodness we don't have the pain score like we used to anymore, and we we can't only... Prescribe seven days post-op and doctors are racing for this, but they don't talk too much about it. And it's changed a lot since I've gone to, I'm just hitting the, the top of the, the mountain a little bit. We as a society not only want to be told what to do, we then want to look and feel a certain way that's unattainable. Mm-hmm. Yep. And with modern surgery, it's more attainable now I'm not saying that they're saying it's always attainable or it's not I'm just saying it's more attainable and how we've pushed it and anytime they take out a scalpel and they open or they cut as they say in the beginning open, that's to start the case that's when we log it in that means they made incision it's going to hurt if you were awake that would hurt especially if they make a three, four-inch incision, two or three inches deep to go down, and they're in there playing around for two or three hours, right? It hurts. So when you wake up, you need something to help you. Mm -hmm. And you've made the decision to go in there either in vain or to have more life because you want to fight and cheat Mother Nature. So you come out, and because of our genetic makeup, depending on what opiate they give you, That first time you put it in your mouth, maybe the last time you're not an addict, fighting it. Yeah, and that's the thing I'm hearing
0: is that the the, they haven't quite figured out in the addiction centers of the brain, they can't they don't know how to test to be sure that they can give you one that you we we don't know and everyone
1: it's Russian roulette yeah and everyone is is addicted to one of them and it used to be that pain score where we had to introduce another opiate right so we're just playing Russian roulette we're giving you more and usually. The reason they would say that they were seven or higher is because they hadn't found that drug yet that gave them the comfort to go, oh, boy, this is what I want for the rest of my life. And that's their brain saying it subconsciously. Mm -hmm. And to the listener that doesn't know about opiate addiction, when we say about that, there becomes a time that the patient doesn't need it for pain anymore. They need it because they're sick every day. And their brain is telling them subconsciously, they don't know why, and it's as bad as they might even cut their hand off or other appendages off if they don't get that medicine in them to fix the sickness. Wow. It's that serious that they will literally, and that's why they'll steal from their family. They'll do anything because the brain is saying, if you don't get it, you're going to go and get that knife and cut your hand off, not kill yourself. Just mutilate yourself that's
0: pretty that's pretty disturbing
1: it's horrible to and watch
0: yeah i can't imagine i mean there's I've, I've had two two of my uh close friends a person did a podcast whose 22 year old son just passed on it know, it's just like severe shoulder injuries. as a pitcher boom they just gave him some so – to get the rotator cuff and the labrum surgery, the pain. You know, that rotator cuff is a son of a gun it doesn't get much blood flow. So the, the – and one pill. And it was off to the races. And that is so sad. Yeah. It's yeah. so
1: sad. And, and for the listener out there, this is, this is how we do scheduled drugs. This is how we determine where they fall in schedules. That's why marijuana should never have been a Schedule 1. Because Schedule 1 means that when we discontinue it, will you cut your hand off? No. When we discontinue marijuana, it's like discontinuing, stopping chewing your fingernails. Yeah. When we discontinue alcohol, we discontinue opiates, people do bad veg- bad stuff to themselves. I almost said a bad word. Yeah. They do really bad stuff to themselves. To the word of the point they mutilate themselves. Yeah. And that's how we start classifying scheduled drugs. So you're right, we have a drug that when we discontinue it, it doesn't make you mutilate yourself. Does it have withdrawals? Sure. Chocolate has withdrawals when we discontinue it mm-hmm. for some people. Yeah. Um, discontinuing, we have people that are what we call biters, right? They, they're pickers. They, they pick themselves until they bleed from stress and anxiety. It's a very common thing. Some is more detrimental than others. I saw in the operating room the same patient that picked themselves on their skull down to the bone three times the point where we had to put different body parts up there to cover it up. Wow. They couldn't stop. These are things that we see and we, we call for addictions. With opiates, when we discontinue From a person that's addicted, there are really, really bad side effects. We call them DTs in in medicine. And that's what we're so afraid of is the Mm self-mutilation. And that's what we're so excited with with this is that, yes, if we can use this drug, right, on a medical side, to make you comfortable enough for those seven days of pain after surgery Mm -hmm. and we discontinue it like a motrin and you don't care because there was one time in this country when you told the doctor i should say your buddy on a holiday hey man can you hold my beer and then you jumped off of something and then your bone was sticking out of your arm or something (laughs) (laughs) the doctor would look at you and go hey next time don't hand your beer to your buddy and jump off of there and go home and take some motrin yeah it hurts don't do it again yeah And then they would be fine. We didn't have a bunch of addicts running around. Sure. That would do really, really bad things like steal from their parents or steal from their brothers or their family, their wives or their kids to get more. Because if they didn't, they would mutilate themselves. Wow. That's the problem. So, yeah, it is exciting to talk about this. It's exciting because we do talk about mental health, and we don't talk about it enough, and we should be talking about it right now with everything that's going on. No doubt. Because this virus, uh, people aren't dying from the virus anymore. They're dying from mental health from the virus. That's right. So uh, we have a lot of things to talk about with this that we just touched on with that. But, yeah, that is exciting that we have something that if we discontinue it, we don't have the worry of them doing self mutilation. Now, for the listener, listen out there, doesn't mean 100%. I'm a person that believes nothing's 100%. So you're going to have some patients that are, or people addicted to THC or CBD that might do bodily harm to themselves. When we look at that, our thought process in this and this is a company because there isn't papers on it, is that it's less than 5%. And anything that's less than 5% in medicine, we're very happy with. It's actually 4%. Mm. This is something that we're going out to be, because we don't know, we're just putting a number on there. you got to be happy with that. If 95% of the population is doing good with it, we can help the 5% that isn't. Yeah. And we have to understand that even discontinuing on that, we're not seeing the self-mutilation like the other drugs that we see. So, yeah, yeah, we're very happy. That's interesting. Cause like I was teaching this doctor the other day
0: and we were talking about the vaccination and how, you know, some people are just losing their damn mind reading the news about somebody died off of this or he goes, the human body is so complex that literally we could have, let's just use the Pfizer one. If we could give 8 billion people, the pfizer vaccine both doses somebody's gonna die for we don't know why somebody there's gonna be more than one that's gonna die but that's the one that's gonna make the news but it ain't gonna make the news about the eight billion people that it saved right and i thought i never really given it that much thought like in that term because that's why there's all these disclaimers in the commercials when you're watching the drug commercials it's like they have to they have to cover everything in 30 seconds or 60 seconds, because somebody died from it because of this. But such a minute number. And that to me is, that's got to be the hard part, is navigating the escalation of the one percentile versus the 99 percentile.
1: Exactly. I I pause for a second. Like I always do, collect my thought where I want to go with this is that doctor was exactly right. And that's why we look at false positives and why we have a percent for error because in medicine, nothing's perfect. Yeah. And someone from these large trials and these large introductions, someone will have mortality. That's just part of life. Mm-hmm. And isn't that what makes great generals? They understand numbers. They understand that if five people die and we have five casualties here, which I might have to send them in knowing that they're gonna die. That five that perish are gonna save a hundred million. They understand the significance of numbers. Yeah. If they don't go in, maybe a million die they're only looking at numbers and that's what we do in medicine we only look at numbers we and i talked about that in my second podcast of feelings in mm-hmm. medicine and you hit that we're at a time where people need to take feelings out of medicine and their own feelings out of their own personal health care mm-hmm. it doesn't matter it's numbers yeah. two plus two equals four and if it's for the good of something There's going to be casualties. Mm -hmm. It's just the way it is. And we're in a society now that we've been given false hope that there's never going to be casualties. Mm -hmm. It's just the way it is. I can only imagine all of the wives in the 1800s that were getting ready to send off their husbands in the Civil War. I wonder how many of them, I wonder if 100% of them thought they were all coming back. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's a great point. One of the things that I spend so much time studying is the, the human performance side of life. And there's a book that came out by Stephen Kotler, who's a major player in the understanding of, the, of flow and flow states. And he, and he and both Tony Robbins talk a lot about all humans' desire to change their current state, whether maybe it's a sober state or maybe it's just a depressive state. But there is hardly anybody that isn't looking for something to change their state great athletes are doing something to try to elevate their performance depressed people are trying to figure out how to take this pain away sick people are trying to take away the sickness away and that's been the case since humans were on this planet people were trying to find something to eat that made them feel weird feel different uh drink you know obviously alcohol but i mean you got all these natural occurring drugs that have been sworn off that are really starting to make a comeback when you got these ayahuasca places in in the Costa Rica mm-hmm. and you know the 5-MeO-D3 things down in in the in the South America where people are taking the toad venom and you got peyote and all these these naturally occurring things that have been done for thousands of years that have so much mystic into the to the average layperson it's so manipulated in their head of what that really is. And I don't know diddly squat about it, but Joe Rogan, who basically is my, my role model for how I do my podcast. He has some of the most interesting people on, uh, like when he was interviewing Terrence McKenna, I was like, holy cow. I have never, ever heard any of this stuff before. And Joe Rogan has opened my eyes to like all of the things that have been going on for years that have kept people alive and doing well and he made a statement i thought was really interesting the the first country you want to be in if you have a life-threatening injury is the united states of america the last country you want to be in if you just got something that's a little bit wrong is the united states of america and i was like wow no that's a statement you don't want to be in another country if you need to have brain surgery or heart surgery but you probably don't want to be in this country if you got a a cough or you got some kind of uh like something on your hand you can't figure out what what's going on with it what what's your take on the changing of states and how that's been a pervasive issue since humans were humans and then the ongoing almost like the world is coming to a a 2.0 version of understanding probably because they've been manipulated. Like, what are all these natural things found on the earth that can help take away my pain versus these pills?
1: So, you and I have talked, and I agree with Joe Rogan, except for one thing. There are some countries that you'd be better to have brain surgery in, like Sweden. Oh, interesting. And we get our studies from there. uh, If you're a citizen that has their health care, because here now you don't know who you're getting on call Mm -hmm. (laughs) you don't know if they have a girlfriend they've just been without and and, you know and their wife is at home and anyway you don't know where they're at and they might come in and do that so in this country um, you could get the best sometimes but the worst so to answer that you're absolutely right for the listener just depends on that's why I say go and get a bunch of opinions Mm -hmm. then you can get the best you know Um, to go back Everyone that's listening should get out their history books. And if we want to talk truth, which a lot of people are not talking truth nowadays. They like to talk and make sure that no one's feelings gets hurt. The best history book we have is the Bible. And I'll let the listener know I'm not a a component and believer of modern religion. I don't believe that God said that we should give 20% of our income and go once a week and think that we're doing well while we flip off our neighbor while we're leaving the facility. No. I don't think that makes a I don't think that's what the Bible history book was talking about. I think it was talking about things like if we break it out on the sixth day, If you look at the earth and you want to know, yes, it's science. I believe in Big Bang and not that it was magically made. I don't think a man could make this in one day. I just don't think that. But in there, it doesn't say that. It says on the sixth day, everything was created that man and women needed to survive, including medicine from greens and the plants that were here, not Mm. animals. And it even goes back and talks about 46 years afterwards that, right before Jesus was hung. Then he went in to the Jewish people and said, you can't charge for this stuff. It's supposed to be free. We don't need to sell the animals to eat. We don't need to sell this. We were given everything from the fruits and the greens. And then it talks about the anointed oil in this history book and how that was only given to hierarchies and bishops and kings and that. And then we have evidence, as I talked about, of people living like Medusa for 700 and some years in that history book. Mm-hmm. I mean, why would someone put that in there? Why would they put Sarah gave birth at 90 some years old, which women I've never heard in my lifetime, a woman doing that, but why, why would someone just put that in there for a reason the for historians to look in the future and not think that. So if we look at what was given and all of these natural things that you talked about, that's why we talked about previous in this podcast of, they're mirroring our genetic makeups the best that we have. And that's why we talk about THC and CBD mirroring CB1 and CB2 receptors in our brain, which are the neurocommunicators, mm-hmm. like a twin. And it's coming from a plant. Yeah. And yet we talk about how important it is to eat your vegetables and your fruits. Those are also plants. What's any different from a tomato plant and a marijuana plant? It's a plant. It's a tree. It's a plant. We talked about science shows that we're not supposed to eat and tear meat. We don't have the eye teeth and the masseters to do that, like an American pit bull Mm -hmm. or a wolf or a lion. We don't have those big fangs that everyone talks about or a shark to eat meat and tear it. We have grinding teeth. So if we look at these history books, we look at evidence of all these people that did live for a long time. And we look at how well, even a hundred years ago, people were living much better, raising their own produce and their own even livestock from getting it from all of our steroid enriched foods that we see now, all of this stuff that is being sprayed by pesticides and that we're not putting in what we're supposed to mm-hmm. into our body, and if we start using the medicines that were naturally mirrored to us instead of trying to use a synthetic medicine or synthetic foods we're even doing synthetic foods now Yeah, it's screwing up the computer it's like taking a an Apple-based platform and a Windows-based platform and not having anything to make them help communicate with each other. Yeah. It's going to screw it up. And even having stuff to make it communicate will make them screw up over time. And that's what's happening in our body. Forget that we're in an all-time high of saying that it's okay to go out and mix genetics with birth. thats I, I'm not a component of having different genetics being in different relationships and having different offsprings, but it's creating a nightmare. We talked about that Mm -hmm. because we don't know how, you know, to take one sector and one sector and put them together. And we're seeing all these different outcomes with it. So we're already battling genetic rollovers in medicine, Hmm. much less we're putting things in that genetic machine that we're never supposed to be in it. Let's make it even simpler. What we're doing to ourselves right now is we're pulling up to the gas station with an unleaded car and putting diesel in it and expecting it to perform. Interesting. So why wouldn't we go back to all of these natural plants and herbs out there like our Asian countries have for 10,000 years used for mind and body? to get it right now all these things don't have to be for everyone but some people are lacking natural vitamins and nutrients and these are the fuel just like for our car that we need and if we starve it we're not going to get the performance we need so So you ask about that about athletes and performance and joe rogan who's big in the ufc and all these that's where we saw psilocystums which is the next big thing from the ufc fighters and them recovering from it neurologically, we need something to help spark that neurological inside. And those fuels come from, we've heard that a lot, you are what you eat.
0: Yeah, very true. Yeah, I'm really fascinated by where where everything's going because more and more of the people in the know, the people that can really move the needle, are choosing to do different things than ever before in in time. I mean, the NFL players, NHL players, and NBA players demanding that...
1: Uh, Because they want more Mm. out of their careers, Virgil. They want to live longer. They want to cheat Mother Nature. And for 40, 50 years, we thought by using synthetic drugs, we were doing a better job to cheat Mother Nature. Now that we're seeing, we have this data for years and years and years complying, we're starting to see that it didn't do exactly what we thought for the longevity. Right now, arguably, again, we're probably going to have the same two candidates run for a presidency. They're the oldest guys that have ever been at that level. Yeah. So we're, we're showing that modern medicine is moving the needle, but at that level we're looking at dementia, Alzheimer's, how do you stay stable? This is all neurological now. Yeah. And that's where we're getting back into these non-synthetic drugs and getting back to natural vitamins and nutrients just like we use in veterinarian medicine.
0: Yeah, isn't that interesting? (laughs) And helping ourselves. If we treated ourselves like we treat our dog, we'd be way better.
1: Well, yeah, and everyone that has a (coughs) domestic pet that's ever had to have any medicine from your veterinarian, you're very surprised that the veterinarian says, hey, just go to your local pharmacy and get it. And you're like, I don't want to give my dog that. It's bad for him. And yet, you're just mowing it down every day. (laughs)
0: It, it's it's so befuddling, you no. Know, and to me, because I'm so fascinated as as a golf coach of understanding all the little the little things that can make somebody two percent better, three percent better. And while I'm reading up on it, I'm trying to figure out like what Stephen Kotler is trying to to say about what happens in flow state. What he goes on to say is that the most dangerous thing that they've learned about helping soldiers elite athletes get to that flow state level to the optimal performance is not getting them there it's what happens to the body when they come off because that blood is, i mean the brain is flooded with the chemicals that alter time slow things down speed things up takes away pain all of those things, but when they get out of your system, it's like a withdrawal. It's like you're going into withdrawal symptoms. And he immediately wrote his the next book, to The Rise of Superman, to help people understand what's going on in the world today. To help people who are trying to take their, their performance, whatever it is, riding to bicycle, riding to fighting, whatever, to the highest level. They're learning that what you have to do to repair your body is not what we've been doing in the last 50 years. And this needs to look at this we need to look at this and here's what we've seen and you start looking at all the soldiers coming back from Afghanistan and Iraq and you're starting to see MDMA and and mushrooms and and things like that to be treating for PTSD <laughs> versus the the really the pathetic efforts that have been put forward to help these people with severe trauma and it was like and then as soon as, like, especially five years, because it's getting a little bit easier now. But five years ago, if you said, I'm actually considering going to some, some rogue place in Mexico to get uh, ayahuasca or MDMA to recover from war and all the terrible things that I've, I've had to take in, people would be like, you can't do that. They do down. They would really downplay with with no education. So that's, okay. that's illegal. You can't do that. You need to take this pill. You need to do this. And with the, with people that are really behind the wheel, with the true purpose of helping others, not making money mm-hmm. off of it, it has been really interesting <clears throat> to watch the elite athlete and the elite performer in anything start to navigate toward natural. Medications versus what we consider
1: the pharmaceutical grade stuff today, when you say so. Uh, I, there's over 8,000 veterans that die a year from suicide in this country, yep, from PSTD. That's more than are dying in the war, yeah. Sure, I don't have to say it, that's proof right there. Uh, That's from their society, right? So, and that can come. Know, people listening, please don't light off your fireworks on 4th of July. You're hurting a veteran. Yeah. <laughs> that might really put them over the top, right? So with that being said, absolutely. And when we have this, where can you turn to if you're not using a mental guideline to help out with... A severity that's horrible. Mm -hmm. We have many, many healthcare workers over the last year that are going to have PSTD for horrible reasons. We have many, many parents that lose children or have sick children that have these severe scars mentally that... If we could show them on the body, it would be a scar from head to toe, and it would be the ugliest thing you've ever seen in your life. When we think about a physical scar, when someone's like, oh my gosh, look at that person. They have a horrible scar. What do you think happened? That's ugly. Mm-hmm. Well, if you could see the mental scars from these post-traumatic instances, mm-hmm. it would make those look like nothing. And we're not tackling those at all. No. So we have more and more people walking around, children, adults, and all we're doing is putting in neurological receptor blockers into the body and we're not giving the brain what it needs. That's why I laugh at breastfeeding in this country as mammals. I might have touched on this before. And then I'll talk about Joseph Stalin and let's think about where we're at and us being chickens and that's what he related us to. But breastfeeding in this country, what other mammals, Virgil, starve themselves while they breastfeed if they don't have to? And we as mammals, as humans and Western culture, that's one of the first things we say the lactose coach comes in and tells the mother. And if you breastfeed, you're going to lose a bunch of weight. And then we push these women into, you need to get look better, you need to be in more fit. Well, if they're not feeding themselves, how are they feeding their offspring? And all they're doing is feeding them nutrients. That's what breast milk is. Mm -hmm. So if they're not getting those over 70 vitamins and nutrients they need in a day, they're not passing it off. And yet, when we do food drives for kids, we say, get them whole milk and a box of Fruity Pebbles of 22 servings. And for your listeners out there, that's a pound and a half of sugar. Wow. Right. So then let's talk about Joseph Stalin and where you just said, wow, and let's relate it. For the listener out there that doesn't know who Joseph Stalin is, please look him up. He was a vital right-hand alliance of a man named Mr. Hitler. hmm So look him up. He was very brutal and did very brutal things as of this and related humans to chickens. Because his parliament one day was giving him a lot of problems like what we see going on in Washington right now. And he looked at his vice president, if you want to say, or his right-hand person and said, please fetch me a chicken. No one knew why, and they did. And they brought that chicken back. And in front of them, he started pulling out the feathers. And that chicken was screaming and bleeding. And he did this until all of the feathers were plucked out of the chicken. And that animal was just on fire. He threw the animal down on the ground. And the thing's running around the room. And you can imagine the horrific look on the people that were in there. And He said, no one leave. And he looked at the right-hand person again and said, now fetch me some corn. So that person hesitantly went and got him corn, horrified too. And this went on. So what Mr. Stalin did was he started throwing the corn down on the ground. And eventually the chicken calmed down. And he started, the chicken started eating the corn. The point that the chicken came and ate the corn out of his hand. And that's when he looked at his parliament and he said, hey, the chickens, just like humans, you have to mutilate them before you give them a little bit of hope and they'll do whatever you want.
0: Hmm. And that's where we're at. And that is where we are at. One of the things I love about having you on, it's like a gigantic human history lesson. I never heard that story before, but man, oh man, is it poignant today. So you just
1: ask, we're, we're being told and being treated like the chicken so someone else can take advantage of that position. Yeah. And that's nowhere more true than in mental health. For sure. And no one wants to talk about it because we're all embarrassed. Well, hopefully the listener can listen and decide if they want to be a chicken or not. I choose not to. Yeah. I hope that they choose not to. And we have so many things out there. Yeah, do I work on my mental health every day? Yeah. I talked to you last night at dinner. Uh, I probably am crazy. Who's not? What's the definition of crazy? It depends on who you ask. Yeah. Charles Manson's definition of crazy is a little bit different than yours and eyes. So it's also, what is the definition of normal? His is different than yours and eyes. Yeah. I'm not saying his is right. I'm just saying that we have to start talking about mental health in this country. I talked about how we sort of get mothers to believe that starving themselves is the best thing they can do for the first three months of feeding their child. That's not right. They need to be eating a lot of fat, like 2,500 to 5,000 calories a day. Because their child's brain is doubling in the first three months, and it's 66% fat. Yeah. So we need to get back to those things and we need to stop being the chicken and allowing them to mutilate us and give us a little bit of hope, but it's not, it's not where we need to be. And it starts with neurological medicine.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Final question. You know, if you, if, if people go back and listen to the first podcast and the second podcast, and now this podcast, it's a high speed journey, much faster than we even anticipated on, what we'd be talking about and where, but as you see where, where you're at right now in Cure Michigan, at, you know, August of 2021 and all the things that you're doing to prepare the company going forward, what are the, what are the couple of things that you're really focusing on and want people to understand about what it is that Cure Michigan is doing to be the, the greatest in the industry in providing the purest, best medications and treatments for people out there and to move our the world not just our country in a safer more healthy environment both neurologically and physically.
1: That's a great question. I guess I'm too humble to say that we're the ones pushing it so far. So I'll I'll go to another side to say I believe that How we use our solvents, and we've talked about that in previous ones, of how we extract with different solvents, being from butane, ethanol, CO2, and nitrogen. And now water. Finding the best ways from what Mother Nature did. And that's what we talk about in other ones, too. Mother Nature doesn't lie. Mm -hmm. Mother Nature... And you're in the golf industry, and I'm, I'm looking right now at beautiful things on the walls here. And if none of your listeners has been in here, I mean, the beautiful uh, greens and fairways in the background that I'm looking at and trees. That's all created by Mother Nature. And she didn't lie about how she did it. And if we try to overcomplicate it, we really screw it up. Yeah. But it's sort of amazing when we go to these places in the world, and we've talked about wine countries and different things like that, and you just look and you go, no humans touch this. And it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And no one takes care of it. Like clip your lawn every week and mow the grass on the golf course and make sure all the sands in the bunker and the, the flowers are beautiful. And yet those places are so beautiful. They're almost untouched. Mm-hmm. They are untouched. There's some places in Washington State that are untouched. And they're gorgeous. So as a company, we believe that we have to keep it to Mother Nature. We have to try to not put too much hands into it. Overthink it. Keep it simple. The the acronym KISS. Keep Mm -hmm. it simple, stupid. And try to use everything that Mother Nature would use to produce that product. So that if we were out in the wilderness, we could pick a blueberry off that blueberry patch and it would taste like something we've never tasted from the store before. That's how we're trying as a company Mm -hmm. to stay true to making medicine that goes into our body, which we're part of Mother Nature. We're just a piece of energy and that relates to all of these, how we map the brain and everything. Mm -hmm. We're heat and that's how we do it. So we want to stay closest to Mother Nature of how we use our processes to deliver what is the oil of the plant. And once we have the oil of the plant, that's where the THC and the CBD is housed mm-hmm. in in the plant. It's like for making syrup, we got to have the the pine out of the tree syrup. Uh, if we want to take aloe, aloes out of the plant. That's what we're trying to get. The This is an oil form. Mm-hmm. Once we have that oil form, we can do whatever we want with it. So we're trying to concentrate on getting it the cleanest way possible out of the plant. And for us, we believe that will always put us at the forefront because of all of the other steps that we don't have to go through by using non-Mother Nature type of things. And I know that sounds like iridescence and sort of like a... Uh, Ooh, you know, magical word. No, Mother Nature produces the best fish when it's untouched by chemicals in a a pool. It it produces the best cattle um, when we don't put steroids in them and that. Again, when we do things and let it do what Mother Nature did best, our bodies and follow that, it's always better. So that's what we're trying to do, Virgil, as as a company. Well, I'm very
0: impressed uh, with your model. I mean, I've talked to you ad nauseum about the 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 vision and the basically the mission statement for your company is to help people, mm-hmm. uh, and as much as people would probably believe that it's not, it's to you know it's on the rec side. Your passion comes from what that you've seen in the hospitals, in the operating rooms, that you were appalled by, and I got you out of the of those situations. And I love the fact that you do it with a level of tenacity. That is uncommon for the average person to understand. And I love what you're doing. I'm obviously one of your biggest fans in the world. and I love what you do, but I love the passion in which you attack it with and how much you care because you care for the right reasons. You care for the mental wellness of all people you care for the physical health of all people you just want people to live their best lives and you recognize that many of them are not because they're not paying attention to themselves they're they're letting somebody else pay attention for them and i'm on that same path i do it in another i do it in a sport or i do it in a podcast form but at the end of the day we're kind of cut from the same cloth which is we're we're radically trying to help people that have somehow forgotten how to help themselves and put them on the right path and the right way to navigate this thing called life. So I applaud I applaud you. How can my listeners learn more about your company, Cure Michigan, and all the things that you provide?
1: The best way is the website. Get on the website. Look at what's going on. Email us. But challenge themselves. There's so much with modern technology out there now. Yeah. There's one thing that we cannot say kids and parents didn't learn over the last year, and that's how to use technology. Mm -hmm. For (laughs) sure. For sure. Um, So we got everyone to learn how to use technology. Do research for yourself. We talked about in the past about encyclopedias and doing things, and that would be the way to read that, and families used to do that. Challenge your family. Challenge yourself to have an hour a week that you read about something that interests you on health care. Anything. These are the things that we have to do. Um, first, and second, thank you very much for the kind words. I didn't even get that. That, yeah. that says that. And I'll let the listener know, too. Money does mean something to me, and I am doing this not just because I care about people, But I want to do it because if we make enough money, we can maybe fix it all. And we talked about Henry Ford buying it back. I know that doesn't seem right. Do I love having money and doing fun things? Yes, I came from nothing as a kid. So for sure, I don't want the listener to think that I don't like the nice things in life. That's why I work so hard, because I hated poverty. Mm -hmm. Sure. But I want everyone not to have to worry about that. So, I know that's a cliche about mm-hmm. working hard and not, but yeah, but we, we don't have to put a value on greed because I do believe in the se- seven deadliest sins. I think that's how we sort of sure. fit into life here. And greed and sloth are our nemesis. So, challenge people to do once a week and read about their health and, and know that folks like me, and there's a bunch of us out there, I'm not the only soldier out there, uh, what drives us is to help exactly what you said to give people the ability to not blame anything but themselves for the lack of anything that they didn't do. Yeah. And if we can challenge them to do that, the world will get to be a better place. We're in a better place and we can enjoy this little portal that we're in much better. And a lot of it comes from our own, Capacity not to get over ourselves and laugh at ourselves, yeah, it's okay to do that mm-hmm. and for the listener to know, and you know that I'm the most competitive person for myself, and that's what drives me and that's what drives me to want to make people know that they can do things yeah and i'll I'll leave on this. I heard a person tell me about a month ago they said. I'm so excited because I can finally fly. I haven't been able to fly in the last year and a half. And I thought to myself, well, I've flown four or five times. It dis- The disappointment that I had as a human to see another human caged Yeah, made me almost cry right there because mm-hmm. I was like, oh my goodness, we're almost like animals now we're we're caged yeah we're not even thinking so yeah this is a good thing and um we're at a good spot so we'll keep doing this but challenge you as the listener go out there and and take it upon yourself because no one's going to do it better than you
0: no doubt about it well jd thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and informing us on what is certainly going to be one of the hottest businesses in the future of this country and it's it's obviously I it just saw it's a it's predicted to be like a thirty billion dollar industry in just the ones that it's legal in, in the just in the medical world plus all the other ones that are wrecked. That's that's a significant business and it hasn't it's only it's in its infancy stages. So it's kind of interesting to kind of follow along and go back over where we've been over the last three years and hear the different stories because it's evolving even faster than we predicted. And we predicted it would be evolving fast.
1: Yeah, I'll add one thing to the end of this and please end the show. We'll have to do this uh, 10 years from now, (laughs) break these out and (laughs) see where the industry is. And I'm sure we'll all be laughing at that time of this infancy that we did in the forefront that we did just doing these shows. So kudos to you for being a person that wants to be on the forefront of doing Podcasts like a Joe Rogan and bringing people that are talking about the future now that's going to be just exploded 10 to 15 years from now. No doubt.
0: Well, I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you for sharing your, your information and your time and I look forward to having you on again very soon. Thank you, Virgil. My pleasure, buddy. Cure is focused on providing natural alternatives to aid with current or previous medical conditions. Cure does this by providing therapeutic properties of natural cannabinoid formulations for multiple uses, whether internally or externally. Ask your physical therapist or your primary care physician if cannabinoids are right for you, or check out their website, www.curemich.com. Cure, cannabis used for research and education. On the Verge is produced by Chase Akers. If you've enjoyed the show, leave a five-star rating and write a review. Click subscribe to make sure that you don't miss a single episode.